0: Welcome to the Connected Mom... Podcast where we have real conversations, helping you to connect more deeply with God, more empathically with your fellow moms, and more intentionally with your child. I am Becky Harling, your host, and I have with me today my amazing co host, Sarah Wildman. Sarah is incredible. Not only is she still raising two little boys, but she does all things techie. And so (laughs) I just love her. And I I know you do, too. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Well, well, thank you, Becky. I try. I try. The older I get, the less techie I feel, though. I I, I totally see that. You know, it just keeps changing. But speaking of things that we have not talked about on our podcast, we try to have a a broad range of topics, but we really haven't talked about single moms. And we know that that is probably some of our listeners. And so today, I, I was thinking, Becky, that you and I have husbands that will often take longer trips. And I've made jokes like, oh, I'm a single mom today. But the truth is, I don't really know what that's like. And I'm so glad that we have a guest today that can kind of help walk us through that so that we can support friends, right, that might be single moms or uh, just have a lot more compassion for those who might be listening.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, Sarah. You know, um, thinking back on when um, Steve and I were raising our kids, we did it together, you know, and we kind of depended on each other. You know, when one was having a meltdown and ready to quit parenting, (laughs) the other one would pull you up. Usually I was the one having the meltdown, you know, but
1: uh, (laughs) when when
0: one of us (laughs) needed, you know, uh, a funny story or needed a break for working with one child who just... Seem to not be getting it, the other one would take over. And so, you know, through the years as I've gotten to know a lot of single moms, I have to say they are my heroes because I don't know how they do it. And I don't know how they do it without Jesus in the mix. And so I am delighted today to introduce our guest to our audience. Our guest is Peggy Sue Wells, and she is amazing. Uh, Not only has she written like, 35 books, which is incredible in and of itself. But on top of that, she loves all things adventure. I didn't, I've known Peggy Sue for a number of years, but I did not know this. So On top of being a history buff, she loves tropical islands. I do too, but I tend to lay on the beach with a good book. (laughs) Peggy Sue, (laughs) she parasails, she skydives, she snorkels. Now, I've done snorkeling. Uh, She scuba dives and has taken pilot training. My Goodness, Peggy Sue, you are an all around amazing woman. I mean, she's like an iron woman, right? You know, able to do all things well. And on top of all of that, she has been the single mom of Get This Girls, listen in, lean, seven children. That in itself deserves a medal in my world. Welcome, Peggy Sue. Thank you, Sarah and Becky. It's good to spend time with you. And about that pilot
2: training, it got I just it got stalled because I couldn't do the math. I can do the other part, but it's always the math that it catches me up. <laughs> the
0: math. Hey, with all else you can do, you don't need math. So don't worry about it. Anyway, Peggy Sue has co-authored with our dear friend, Pam Farrell, who we've had before on this podcast, Mm -hmm. the 10 best decisions that single moms can make. And Mm -hmm. I just, Peggy Sue, I'm just so excited to have you here. So if you were to describe today's single mom, how would you describe her?
2: Today's single mom, one in four homes is single mom led. So every, you know, count your, your neighborhood, every fourth house, 50% of children in the U.S. are expected to live mm-hmm. in a single parent home before age 18. And most single moms, the majority of them started out in a committed relationship and never intended or expected that they would be raising children by themselves. So it is... Uh, one of those things where single parents want the same thing for their children that, you know, to, together parents want, which is we want our, parent, our children to succeed. We want them to grow up and be healthy and happy and contributing members of society. We want them to do well with their calling. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to know that the source for everything that they need is going to be found in God, because whether you're one parent or a two parent family, we're not enough as parents to give our children everything that they need. They need to know Jesus. And so as soon as we can introduce mm-hmm. them to him, that's going to be the best thing, the best introduction that we can give.
1: When you look back, just curious, what age was your youngest of seven mm-hmm. when you became a single mom? And mm-hmm. if you wouldn't mind sharing some of the encouragement that you received during that time, um, I think that would really help us as we're listening in, and if we have friends that are maybe that one of four that you just talked about?
2: Yeah, my youngest was a year old when her dad chose out. And that's when I started my journey as a single mom. And the other thing that you'll find with your single mom friends is that the majority of them do not get any sort of support, any sort of financial support, less than half do. The ones that do get about 6000 a year, which is kind of like not even enough for braces if you've got a kid that's going to need those. And so we're trying to balance children that have a broken heart. We want to come alongside them. We're also trying to figure out how to help with homework. If the kids got calculus, I mean, I thought, is that a disease? I'm so sorry your child has calculus, but I'm not going to be the one to help. But we need help with homework. <laughs> yeah. We need help with getting, you know, those... Um, things that need to be done around the house. You know, when there's, you know, leak in the, in the faucet or something like that, it's like, how do we do that? And then how do I figure out insurances? I remember that was kind of my bugaboo. It's how do I know like, what's the best medical insurance and the best house insurance? And do I need life insurance and those kind of things. And then there's always the maintenance on the cars, those need to get done. And oh my goodness, with seven kids, we had to get a car for each of them as they became old enough and then figure out college stuff. And, You know, so it is like all the things that that need done. And the part that gets really complicated for single moms is that when that really important relationship breaks apart, moms go into trauma. It is a huge betrayal. It's a huge shock. Mm. It's not the way that we would have anticipated Mm. our life going. And so when we go into trauma, the thinking part of our brain goes offline. And then we're in trauma brain, which is fight, flight, freeze, or please. And so a lot of times you'll look at a single mom and you're like, what is she thinking? You know, look at her behavior. What is she doing? And we also see that with the children. We see the children of single moms frequently are the frequent flyers down at the principal's office. And we're like, see, those moms are not good parents because Mm -hmm. their kids are down at the principal's office. And the truth is we've experienced something very traumatic. We are in trauma brain, which means mom is She's reacting, not responding. She's not thinking because it's physically impossible. For children with a broken heart that are in trauma brain, that comes out in their behavior. And that's why they wind up so many times down at the principal's office. They're not bad kids. They're children with a broken heart. And so when Pam and I got together, we wrote the 10 best decisions a single mom can make because we wanted to say to these moms, I understand you're having trouble thinking. I understand it's difficult to make decisions when you most need to. And so let us help you walk through one step at a time. And as you start doing these steps, and as you start doing the things and moving in that direction, we move your brain out from trauma brain back to being online so that it's thinking so that then you can make really good decisions when you most need to.
0: You know, that's interesting, Peggy Sue, because I I think... Um... It becomes very complicated because mom's in trauma, but kids are in trauma. Yes. So mom can't figure out like, okay, my child's in trauma and I need to help them, but I can't think myself because I'm in trauma. And right. I just think um, it would get really, really complicated, you know, and, and for some of these single moms, I, you know, I, how did you keep going, Peggy, when you went through this?
2: We really learn to lean on the Lord. And the thing that gets difficult is because there's what so much. What did that look
0: like? What in did that, in that look your like? Life.
2: Yes. So yeah. for, for the kids and I, we realized that the things that we had thought was our foundation, the things that we had counted on, they're not there anymore. You know, what we had uh-huh. thought life was like, what we had thought marriage was like, what we thought mar- what family was like had, had kind of like just crumbled. So what was it that we could really depend on? And so we did Bible time every single night. And so no matter how late we came in from whatever activities we were involved with, every night we opened scripture, and every night we read at least a psalm. When we had family time to do Bible time that, you know, was our tradition, it started off with some a chapter out of the Old Testament, one out of the New Testament, a psalm, a proverb. We had scripture we were memorizing. We prayed, we started, we went youngest to oldest and we prayed out loud together. And then I spoke a blessing from scripture over the children each night. And so it was the one thing that we could hold on to. It was Mm -hmm. the thing that we needed to hold on to was that the one steady in our life was going to be Jesus. It was going to be our faith walk. And even though life is hard with Jesus, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wouldn't want to think about it without him. Mm -hmm. And so I can say now all my children are adult, they're all grown. And each of them does have a relationship with the Lord. And I'm grateful for that because they've learned, I had to learn mm. that this is where my foundation came from. And there were times where things that I thought, I'm not enough, no one loves me, I'm alone, I'm all abandoned, God can, but he's not going to do it for me, those kind of things. Each time I realized that there was something that I was thinking in my head that didn't align with scripture that meant that I could go back to scripture and say, What is the lie that I'm believing? I need to root that out. And then I need to replace it with truth because that's where health was going to come. And that would allow me to be really just more pleasant to be with for my children.
0: I love that. I love how you were all in it together. I mean, I realize, you know, first of all, Kudos to you for getting seven children to sit through a psalm, a proverb, an Old Testament, and a New Testament. I don't know how you did that. but I can tell you that. uh, But kudos to you for speaking blessing over them. Yeah,
2: And actually, the the rules about that was you could move. You know, the kids were playing with Legos. I was folding laundry. We traded Mm -hmm. the reading out based from each kid. Anybody that could read got their chance to read. And so we, you know, circled that around you could be busy. You just needed to not be distracting and not make noise. And the same thing was in church. When we're sitting in church, you can move. I just need you to not make noise so that we're not distracting yep. from what's happening.
1: <laughs> I have a seven-year-old and we've been doing some Bible stories every night that the nine-year-old son really loves. But the seven-year-old, he's he's not sure. He's a buyer yet. And so that's exactly what I've let him do, Peggy. he's He's out in the side, you know, playing with his cars or whatever, but as long as he's listening and I pray he is, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. let's just keep the chaos under control. <laughs>
2: so that's and a great s- tip. And some yeah. of our kids, some of our kids learn better when they are moving. I'm one of those. I'm, you know, usually moving or something and that's how I'm mm-hmm. absorbing what I'm hearing. That's right. The other thing that I had to learn with my children is mm-hmm. that because we all have broken hearts, we did a couple of things. One was if I'm feeling hurt or upset or angry at the moment, I'm allowed to have that feeling, but I can't take it out on someone else. And I can't demand that that other person feel the way that I feel because at the moment they may be fine, You know, things may be going well in their life. So we had to give each other opportunity to say, I understand you feel how you feel and you can do that, but we're just not gonna take it out on others or say the way that you're feeling is wrong. And then I really had to learn about the five R's and that was something that God taught me because I'm like, gosh, we come together and we've got heartache and we've got, you know, different things that are coming in. And when was the last phone call with, you know, the other side of the family and when was the last visit and how are we feeling about things? And so I had this situation where I'm like, God, I can see we're sort of picking on one another. So like, how do I not do that? And he showed me the five R's. And the best story I can tell you about that is that one Saturday morning, my teenage daughter, Hannah, was browsing around the house. And so I made her pancakes and tea and told jokes. And she didn't drink the tea and she didn't laugh at my jokes and she just pushed the pancake around on her plate. And so I'm feeling very rejected now because I've done these things and she hasn't received them and she hasn't changed. And so I'm feeling rejected. So that's the first R was rejection. And then I realized I don't like feeling rejected, so now I'm feeling resentment. And so in that resentment, I make up a story in my head about why she's being the way she's being. Mm -hmm. And then I moved into resistance. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, fine. You're not going to look at me. I'm not going to look at you. You're not going to talk to me. I'm not talking to you. So that is, if you've ever received or given the silent treatment, you're in resistance. So that's number three of the R's. Then you move into revenge. And so because my heart is hurting, I want her to know that my heart is hurting. So it makes no sense, but generally the way we do that is we do something unkind to the other person so that then their heart is hurting too, which has no maturity to it whatsoever, but it is something that we do. So as I'm sitting there at the table thinking, all right, I'm going to say to her, hey, what about that homework? Are you keeping those grades above sea level? you would have heard that that stiletto coming out of my mouth and it would have been aimed at her. And so if you're the teenager sitting across from your mom and your mom starts firing these things at you, what is she going to do? She's going to automatically start backing up like, whoa, mom's on the warpath, give her space. And so that would have been me being in revenge, Mm -hmm. which was the fourth R. And as I'm in revenge and saying things that are unkind to her and she's backing up, Then we go into repeat, which is the fifth R, because she will be pulling away from me. So then I feel rejected again. And so then we start this cycle over and over and over again. And this is how we alienate relationships, sometimes to the point that they're not repairable. And so right at that time, at that moment where I was about to say something about her homework, I felt God going, you're there again. You're in the five R's. And I was like, oh, I recognize that. So at that point, I said to her, Hannah the story I'm making up in my head right now is that you would rather be anywhere on Saturday morning than home here with me because I stink as a mom. And she kind of looked up from her pancake that she was pushing around and blinked. And she said, I just found out that the boy I babysit for has leukemia. It had nothing to do with me. I had made up a story in my head. Mm -hmm. Out of that story in my head, that became my reality. And that's how I was then interacting with her. And the truth is, people do what they do for their own reasons. It rarely has anything to do with us. But we make up stories. As soon as I feel rejected, I make up a story in my (laughs) head. And it's always negative. And then that is my reality that then I interact with other people. So one of the best things that the Lord showed to me in trying to have like a safe home, a safe place for our emotions and a safe place for our relationships was stick to the facts. So when I feel like I'm feeling rejected, I need to go back and say, what are the facts? And I need to stick to the facts because if I stick to the facts that my daughter was grousing around the house on Saturday, that would have been fine. I just would have gone on around my day. Eventually, when she felt like talking, she would have said something. And so we've been able to practice that. My children now understand about the five R's because we've done it together. So recently we had a wedding. So if you want to have drama, have a wedding. And so we've had six weddings going on our seventh. And so the one daughter that was doing the shower says to me, So, mom, is your friend coming? Because I'm putting out the table settings. I need to know who's going to be here. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if she's coming. I invited her. I called twice. I haven't heard anything. I don't know if she's coming. Do you hear the story I've made up in my head? Do you hear the stilettos coming out of my mouth? And so my daughter says, so mom, what's the facts? And I was like, oh, the facts. Well, the facts are, I invited her, called twice, haven't heard. You know what? I'll call again. Sticking to the facts takes away that feeling of rejection, takes away the negative stories that we make up in our head. And it allows us to just be in relationship with one another and just be accepting of one another, be gracious, be generous. And so those are the green lights that we can put into our relationship rather than those five R's, which are the red lights for our relationships.
1: Um, Peggy Sue, I was thinking about that story that you just shared with the, the friend that didn't show up. And I'm hoping as somebody that has a spiritual gift of encouragement, that there were people that came beside you and encouraged you. But I I pick up, I'm going to go on a limb and say that you are a very strong woman. And sometimes when you're a strong woman, people go, I think she's good. Like, I don't know how to enter. I don't know how to encourage or give practical help, right? Because you're like, Peggy Sue's got it together, (laughs) right? Like, I, I don't know if I could help. So what are some tips for moms like me that have friends who are single to enter in and how, how do we best help when maybe on the outside they look like they have it all together? They're strong women. They're doing their thing. But um, what what would you hope a friend would do for you in that case?
2: I know in my case, I felt like I needed to always look like I had it together on the outside because I already felt less than. I already felt rejected. I already felt like The person who knew me, you know, hopefully the most intimately had chosen not to be here. And so I already felt like, gosh, I just can't show any weakness. You know, I I can't do that because I'm already being judged from the outside. Mm -hmm. Was I a good mom? Was I a good wife? That sort of thing. So having people that came alongside, one of the first things that happened was I have a very dear friend out in California. She was my first first co-author. And she called me and she said, I don't understand this but I will walk through every step of the way with you. And she's been that faithful person. And then I've also had a couple of people that said, you know what, Peggy Sue, because I would get on a jag where I'm hurt and I'm angry and and stuff is coming out of my mouth because I'm a verbal processor and I need to verbalize things. But I've had a couple of people that have come back to me and said, yes, I hear you. Yes, I understand that. And it couldn't have been all bad. Or you know what, maybe you could reframe that in a different way, or perhaps, and so because they spoke truth in a way that was gentle and that was loving, they were able to help me get out from just being in those negative jags. We call those the four C's. When my vocabulary is filled with criticism, condemning, complaining, and excuses, I'm stuck, and I'm stuck in a negative bad place. And so people that would help me out of that, I had a mentor who I met with for a while, and she said to me one day, you can keep coming each week. We'll keep talking about everything from the kids to the neighbors to the co-workers to the church to work to whatever. We'll keep doing that. But if you really want to do the work, and I'm like, what, you mean me? And she said, you're the one common denominator in all of the things that we're talking about. And I said, yes, let's do it because whatever junk and baggage I don't pick up and clean up in myself, I'm going to pass that on to my children. And you know what? They've got enough of their own to deal with, so let's do it. So we did the hard work and I'm here to say it was six months of snotting and crying and using up all of her Kleenex while I just got this stuff out. And where we re-examined it and we reframed it and we looked at it based on Did this really slip through God's hands? Do you think God didn't know that this was how it was going to be? Can God actually do these things that I need him to do? Is he really there for me? And so as we got all that out Mm -hmm. and I replaced those lies with truth, and as I got healthy, one of my daughters who lived in a different state at the time came home at Christmas, found my mentor at church, wrapped her arms around her neck and said, Thank you for giving us our mom back. Because the truth was, I was in so much pain and I was so bitter. I could walk into a room and Mm. suck all the good air right out of it. And that's not fair for my children. But it's like having a migraine. When you have a migraine, when you're in that kind of pain, all you think about is the pain. And I needed someone to help me to get out of it. And then the people that have come alongside and treated me like I wasn't this weird person who's a single in a couple's world, but have just kept loving me the way I was the ones that included my children and things and didn't treat them weird because they were from a home where it was just a mom. Those were the people that have become our really, really very good best friends because one is a whole number. And I needed to be okay being a one because if I'm not okay as a one, I'll never be okay as a two. And so some of us are called to singleness. Some of us will remarry. That's God's decision. But To have people that came alongside and loved my kids and included us and invited us to holidays and invited us to regular things that you do with friends, those are the things that we really needed. And then once in a while when somebody would say, hey, what's going on? And I'd be like, oh, you know what? I just don't know what to do, but I've got this sump pump in my basement and it's not working right. And they would say, oh, you know what? Let me come take a look or here's the number of the person that can call because It's like everything else there's things in the house things with my car things with homework things that i just don't know and so if you just come alongside as a friend and say here you know yeah i I get that too i know somebody or let me come take a look also knowing too that if you help a single mom once you're not having to help her forever she's not going to be a big taker Single moms work hard. We're keeping the house going. We're keeping the kids going. We're keeping the family going. We're showing up at church. We're doers. We're workers. So in the areas where I'm weak, I could use somebody to come alongside, but I'm here to tell you, I've got strengths and I will loan my strengths to you. And I will be there to help you clean out your garage or paint your room or whatever it is that you need to do. But if I can do it, I will be there beside you. So we're doers. We're workers. We're not going to be somebody who's going to suck you dry.
0: Mm -hmm. I love all of that, Peggy Sue. I As I've been thinking back on the last few years, um, and all the women who I have prayed with, who have discovered that their husband is now divorcing them, and they're left with children, um, all of them go through fear, you know, like, I don't want to do this, I can't do this. I don't want this for my children. This is not what I chose. I want to work at it. And what encouragement can you give the moms that are listening today in the realm of fear? Because I think a lot of them think, you know, am I going to survive? How do I do this? You know, so what would you say to those moms today? Fear is a big thing.
2: And it's, yeah. It's probably the biggest thing that haunts us and also the feeling that we're not enough. And um, I would want that mom to know that being a single mom is your experience. It is not your identity. Single mom, single is Mm, a relationship status. And it, it changes. Your relationship status can change. Being a mom, that's always. God gave the children to the best mom for those kids. And so it's not an accident that you're the mom for those children. Also, God was not completely surprised that you are in a single parent home. I was sure that that one had slipped by him on my part, but it's not. He knew and he knows knows that in all of our situations, you know, we're missing things, we're without something, we're without that extra engine and a two engine plane that I wanted to be in. But in my weakness, people say that saying, God won't give you more than you can handle. I beg to differ. He gave me tons more than I could ever handle on the best day of the week. And why? Because in my weakness, Mm -hmm. I leaned into him. I leaned on him and he's my strength and he's my wisdom and he's the one that comes underneath. And so we learn a lot more to lean onto the Lord. And then when we do that, we find he really does love us. He really does have our best. And you know what? Going through hard times, going through challenges, going through trials, going through stress is not bad. It's not a judgment. A lot of times it is exactly the foundation that is going to form some really, really good character in us so that we will understand what other people are doing, it makes us stronger so that we can fulfill our calling in the Lord.
0: Mm, I love that also. You've been so helpful, Peggy Sue, from your five R's to your four C's to, you know, remembering that the number one is a whole number. I love that. Um, to remember that your singleness is not your identity. It's your circumstance. And so as we close out today, Peggy, would you just pray for every single mama out there who's listening? And then we'll wrap up here.
2: Mm, My pleasure. Lord God, we lift up the single moms that are listening. We lift up the single moms that the listeners who are listening know. Lord, we lift up the single moms that are in this situation at the moment. And Father God, please remind them that you are at work even in this. In fact, you are at work in deep ways in this. Mm. And I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that you would bring our children through so that they're strong and they're healthy and that they're dependent on you. Remind us always, Lord, to lean into you. And Father God, when we're feeling like we're not enough and when we're feeling like nobody's going to ever love us and when we're feeling like, gosh, we're just humiliated and embarrassed and we're ashamed, then Father God, I pray that you would come alongside and remind us who we are in you, that you loved us and that you loved us enough to give your life and that you love us enough that you have given us the gift of the Holy Spirit that in dwells us at this moment as our guide and as our friend and as our counselor and that you never leave us alone and that we are loved. Thank you, Father God, Lord. Give us our children to know that they can go forward and that they can depend on you and that you have great things for all of us in all situations, in
0: Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey friends, I want to be sure that you got the name of the book because I think there's a lot of you listening who need this book and perhaps you have a friend who could use this book. It's mm-hmm. called The 10 Best Decisions That a Single Mom Can Make. You can get it on Amazon and, you know, I would hop over there today before you forget. Order the book and start going through it and I hope you were encouraged today. If Peggy who can raise 7 kids <laughs> You can too, maybe not seven, maybe you only have two and that's okay too, but you're going to make it and we're cheering for you. And so we'd love to hear from you. If this if this episode impacted you, would you write to us? Uh, you can write to me at Becky at Beckyharling.com and talk to us about how this episode ministered to you. Until next week, we'll see you and we'll have another episode next Thursday on the Connected Mom talking about how you can connect more deeply with God, more empathically with your fellow moms and more intentionally with your child. Thanks for joining us. Hey, all you moms out there, this is Becky Harling and I love creating resources to help you connect more empathically with your child. One of those resources is a book that I wrote called How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. One of the greatest skills you can cultivate, really enhance that connection with your child is the skill of listening. So how well do you really listen? This book is loaded with practical ideas to get your kids talking and to help you as you listen. You can buy it wherever Christian books are sold You can order it on Amazon or anywhere else. So I hope you'll get a copy of the book and put the work into listening to your child.